Hello, and welcome to episode three of Just Following Up, a podcast dedicated to music PR, digital marketing, and editorial discussion. I hope everyone's having a stellar week so far. It's been quite a busy month so far with uh, all that's gone on in January, um, really just across the board, uh, industry-wise and globally. Um, but here we are, and um, excited to dive into some new stuff with you guys today. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about a lot of the dynamics involved with PR, specifically traditional PR. And when I say traditional PR, I'm referring to music blog outreach, premieres, press releases, profile pieces, long form pieces, uh, print and digital, etc. But this week we are going to get into some of the non-traditional approaches uh, that publicists can use. I think that now here in the year 2020, it is more important than ever for a publicist to get as creative as possible and try and step outside that traditional realm of PR. This is kind of where the lines get blurred between marketing and public relations. To me, I feel like in, in this day and age, in this current era, they are kind of one and the same. And um, it's important to have knowledge of both, both marketing and PR. And we're going to get into some of that stuff this week. I'm excited to introduce our next guest, who is someone that I've known for quite a long time, I'd say at least a decade at this point. We've worked on a number of different endeavors together over the years and really have never stopped talking about music and marketing. The guest in question is my good friend James Shotwell, who is currently Director of Customer Engagement over at Holix. If you're unfamiliar with Holix, it is a platform used to watermark and share music. Uh, many labels and PR agencies use it to distribute music safely and effectively. James also heads up the official Holix blog where he publishes a lot of interesting editorial on the music industry at large. Definitely recommend checking that out for anyone listening. Um, he's also been writing basically since I've known him. Um, he currently contributes to Substream Magazine. He helped launch a music website called Under the Gun Review back in the 2000s, which was really an influential blog for up-and-coming artists, specifically in that Warp Tour scene, which was so huge in the 2000s. So he really is a wealth of information, and I'm excited to get the chance here to pick his brain. So we're going to chat with James a little bit about the intersection between PR and marketing, how they're different, how they're the same. We are going to talk about some new and interesting approaches to PR. We're also going to touch on mental health awareness and how it affects all of us so much in the music industry. So we are going to get James on the line here in just a second. Here we go. We are here with James Shotwell, a very good friend of mine who I've known for quite a while and have worked on uh, worked with on various things over the years. Um, James is the director of customer support, or I'm sorry, customer engagement at Holix. He's also a journalist and uh, runs a blog and a podcast. Say hello, James. Hello. Thanks for hopping on with us. Um, 
I mentioned to our listeners earlier that you're quite the wealth of information simply because you wear so many hats. Um, you seem to kind of have your hand in a lot of different things pertaining to the music industry. I'd love to hear from you just an overview of your profile, so to speak. All right, sure thing. Um, well, as you already said, I am the director of customer engagement at Holix. We work in the promotional distribution space, meaning that we help uh, record labels, publicists, and independent artists connect with members of the media, be that critics or journalists or podcasters, radio, whatever it happens to be. We're kind of the behind-the-scenes streaming platform for people in the industry. And we work with um, artists at every level of the business, from big-time names like Slipknot and Tool, all the way down to unknown artists from pretty much every corner of the world. And I've been there for about six and a half years. And my job largely entails being the voice of the brand, the people person. Everyone else on the team is really good at development and coding, and I am not good at either of those things. So I talk to everybody that works with Holix, and I learn what they want. And then I go to the team, and I work with them to make it happen. I also run our blog, Holix Daily, which is part of a larger effort by our company to have a quote-unquote brand voice and that voice is focused on education we believe that you know the best way to make a better music industry for everybody is through education be that uh, basic tutorials guides advice on things like releasing singles but also big picture stuff like mental health teamwork um, you know personal education personal growth and development making time for yourself taking a break so on and so forth so there's the blog for that holixdaily.com i have a podcast inside music where i talk to people in music such as yourself about these topics and then we have a youtube channel called music biz and outside all of that i somehow find time to also um write stories i write for alternative press and substream magazine i've been doing journalism stuff for about 11 12 years now 12 years this march and i also manage a band yumi and everyone we know and i am currently working on a couple of secretive projects in the music business that i can't talk about just yet but safe to say i stay busy that's a very impressive elevator speech um i'm i'm speechless honestly uh that was great thank you for for going into all of that with us um there's one thing in particular that I kind of want to make the centerpiece of this conversation. Uh, you recently published an article on the Holix blog about some 2020 music business predictions and just uh, some very topical stuff in there that I enjoyed reading um, earlier this week. So there's a couple things specifically in that article that I'd love to address if you're cool with it. Hit me. Awesome. So really kind of the first thing that jumped out at me, which I feel like there is so much truth to, is the point that you brought up in the article about publicists kind of needing to step outside of this traditional PR comfort zone. We all know about um, you know blogger outreach and interviews and various features in the spectrum of online editorial, but in 2020, um, it's really asked of music publicists to get more creative now than ever. So I'd love to kind of talk about that a little bit. Uh, some of those non-traditional approaches to PR, you mentioned Hot Ones uh, in the article, which I think is a great example. Grubhub has their Inside the Bag series, which I think is also super creative um, and an interesting outlet for 
for publicists, podcasts, live sessions, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Hot Ones is really the uh, the greatest example because I, I always try to think when I talk about promotion and publicity and marketing, I try to think about the things that work on me. So as, as a consumer of content and music journalism on the regular, I find Hot Ones to be something that I look forward to watching every single week. And I don't necessarily care who the guest is because I'm going to have a good time with it. Um, another great example that comes to mind is amoeba records in los angeles they do a what's in my bag series where they interview it's not even really an interview they just take like a musician or a figure in the entertainment world and they ask them what they bought at their store that day and i don't know they probably give them some like money to buy stuff or whatever there's probably some behind the scenes stuff happening there but it seems very authentic and it's cool to see you know dave grohl picking up a record from some band that nobody's ever heard of or whatnot and just seeing like what other people are supporting and i I think, you know, as a consumer myself, I read less and less blogs, even though I'm somebody who seems to be writing more and more as time goes on. And I, while I love a really good cover story, a really good profile on somebody, it's not always the best way to break somebody into caring about someone that they know nothing about. The cool thing about something like Hot Ones is that it is this structured format that is unpredictable, but you do know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to eat hotter and hotter chicken wings. They're going to ask some questions that are going to give you some information about this person and everyone's going to have fun. And I think when you want to break an artist in 2020, the key is going to be getting everybody to be in on the fun. You know, not every there's so much music out there. There's so much to listen to. And then there's, the, you know, podcasts and streaming stuff. It's just too much content. So simply being like, check out the song. It's really good. Unless you already are a person of influence, you know, if you're like the Ian Cohen of the world who has like the voice of emo behind him or Dan Ozzy, you're just a random person trying to help bands get out there you don't have a lot of weight behind your voice and that that can be developed with time but just starting out a gimmick always works and i mean the same thing goes for bands if we think about the bands that tend to blow up the fastest if they don't have a viral single it's because they have a viral image they have a look or something and you know not everyone likes it and some people outright hate it but a gimmick can get you really far and i think what i've learning you know when i was just in la <clears throat> for the last week i had meetings at you know bmg and epitaph and all sorts of these like bigger alternative and mainstream labels and everybody says that you know their artists personally are asking them for things like podcast opportunities or youtube series or anything that you know gives them a chance to kind of show who they are as people so i think when it comes to you know breaking talent or just growing your fan base finding a way to come across as a human being is really the key. And I don't know that traditional journalism has found a way to catch up to that just yet. So these new methods seem to be um, the better option, at least for right now. I think you're right. I also think that some of that is easier said than done, right? Because like when you look at something like Hot Wings, you know, all of their guests are really high end, top tier, marquee talent that are ultimately household names. So if we're talking to kind of an up and coming artist who, or even like a mid-level artist who maybe isn't a household name, but is getting on legit support tours uh, and playing like three, four hundred cap rooms, uh, you're sort of caught in between in, in like, you know, between a rock and a hard place because Hot Wings probably isn't going to have that, that mid-level artist. However, I think that the, just kind of the line of thinking should stay the same. They're there are other opportunities that aren't necessarily hot ones or Grubhub inside the bag that sort of fall in line with that kind of more lifestyle element or just, 
you know, more creative outlets and podcasts, obviously. I mean, we're currently on a podcast and uh, they are very in vogue right now. And uh, I would say podcasts are podcast consumption is at an all time high. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You can feel free to fact check me on that, but that's the way it feels. And um, so. So, yeah, ultimately, I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah. And I would say that something that I love, you know, I, I, I hate to ever tell somebody to do what someone else is doing but if you want a band that has done a lot to make themselves known without getting any of these high profile opportunities that we talk of i think the uh, triple crown records artist heart attack man is a great example of this and i've written about his marketing schemes a lot but derek in the band or eric whatever you want to call him he uh he goes to great lengths to create original content all the time that has virtually nothing to do with the band's music i mean they make music videos they make all that stuff but he just makes a lot of fun content stuff that's fun to watch fun to see and like really drills down on kind of a unique style of weirdness like he started posting himself holding a coffee cup every single day saying good morning everyone me eric from heart attack man and now if you look at their feed every single morning dozens and dozens of kids post pictures of themselves drinking coffee this is good morning everyone it's me eric from heart attack man he's almost making himself into a meme and when the album came out last year fake blood and he knew that the needle drop who's arguably the most influential music critic in the game right now he knew that the needle drop was probably not going to cover his music so what he did is he made his own version of a needle drop review for the heart attack man record that had the after effects and he did it in his bedroom but he did everything the exact same way that anthony would and though the needle drop did not cover the record he did share heart attack man's like fake video and it got a lot of love and interaction and raised their profile and you know just from talking to kids in the scene and other artists there are a lot of people that have learned about this band simply because they've like really committed to doing some original things kind of being weird not taking themselves too seriously and just embracing like the strangeness of their own identity and just kind of rolling with it and i think that that's always a great approach I agree. And I feel like there's a major intersection now between the idea of public relations and marketing, because in years past, they've been considered two separate things, right? Like a marketing agency versus a PR PR agency, two separate things. I think they're much more one in the same now. And uh, PR people need to sort of have that marketing mind and vice versa. Um, you know, market music marketers need to kind of have that PR mind. So I think that the line is much more blurred now, you know, given everything that you've said about content creation and, and getting creative. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the blurring of the lines is probably owed to our specific generation of professionals who went to college for things like music business and found themselves being asked, what is the difference between PR and marketing? And, and I don't think most people can tell you the answer. So they just ended up becoming the same thing. Right. And one of my previous guests, uh, Mitch Mosk, who you may know, uh, he runs a publication called Atwood Magazine. He mentioned, uh, he said something very interesting that we're sort of past the era of blogs. And I think uh, maybe that could go 50-50, right? Like, I definitely think that they serve a purpose, but they no longer are the music discovery platform that they were even a couple of years ago. I think that they are great for SEO. I think it's great for branding and visibility, and I think it's a great industry tool, um, and it's great for 
artists in the early stages trying to build their narrative. But in terms of actually converting fans, converting streams, um, starting a conversation, unless it's kind of like a think piece, yeah, I think we're kind of past it. Absolutely. I think that, like you said, it's good for, um, you know, just getting the branding out there and getting awareness out there. But, you know, especially in the world of rock, pop, rock, alternative rock, whatever you want to say, the number of publications that are willing to cover an artist are pretty big. It's still huge numbers, but the number of publications that have any um, heft or weight behind their influence is really, really small. And so, you know, if you want to do marketing or if you want to if you want to be an artist in that realm, you really have to try to hit as many of those publications as humanly possible. It's about it's about like breadth of rec- of exposure versus having like that one key influencer because there's just there's just not a uh, center point to that scene anymore. And alternative press still has influence. But even if you look at them, they just announced I think their first cover stars of 2020 are a K-pop group. So even they are kind of spreading their wings and it's not because they don't care about alternative music anymore it's just that what kids who are into alternative like has veered a little bit further and further away from rock bands and in order to keep the doors open and the bills paid you have to evolve as well and i I don't think that that's forever i think that everything kind of is cyclical in music and we will see a time when um, publications have a little bit more weight behind them and there are some that are doing it well like the alternative but it's going to take like a concisive effort from a lot of people to get behind these publications and make them notable and uh, have some weight behind them again. And I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. And I want to be clear when I say past the era of blogs, they absolutely still have a place and they still have a purpose and can still be meaningful. I just think that that purpose has changed greatly. Uh, And there's a big misconception about, that purpose right now and that's honestly a struggle that i have or a conversation that i have constantly you know is about that misconception it used to be if you get a song on uh you know posted or reviewed by pitchfork you're good for a couple of thousand streams right um maybe in like circa 2012 2013 Uh, definitely no longer i i think that you'd probably see just about as many as you would on a much smaller blog these days. So I think that they that blogs definitely have a place currently, but I think it's it has just changed and it's different than it was. Absolutely. And you know, I was just talking about this to somebody yesterday actually. The the problem with like one of the big things that hurts blogs these days is simple um is, is money at the end of the day. It's not the not even the fact that the blogs don't make money, which is its own problem. But if I'm a band that has any um, notoriety at all and I'm going to premiere a new song, I know that the biggest day for song streams is the first day. So why would I premiere my new song on Pitchfork when I can get a few cent, a few fractions of a cent for every play on Spotify and Apple exactly. Music exactly and everywhere else exactly. So the need for blogs to premiere music is low, so they're really only you know resourceful for discovery efforts. And discovery is not a as much as it should be the priority for music business professionals everywhere. It's not, and it won't be for uh, for the foreseeable future, most likely. Agreed. Um, so moving slightly away from PR and marketing for just a second, we're going to talk about. Something, another thing that was mentioned in your article, it does pertain to the music industry at large, though. 
the the whole idea of um, well, it's not even an idea. The reality of of mental health awareness, and I think it's a, a super important topic because, especially in today's industry, when things are time sensitive, even when they're not, and the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves, and the amount of pressure that uh, our superiors can can put on us, um, it can be crippling and. I definitely think it's important to address because uh, there's been a lot of studies and articles that, that have been published recently uh, discussing just the uh, alarming rate at which people suffer from, um, you know, just struggles with mental health. And uh, I think it's it's really overlooked, extremely overlooked. Absolutely. And it's a problem that is persistent in pretty much every form of entertainment. But, you know, as a good example, I was at a meeting the other day with somebody who just got back from a two week European vacation. And I didn't know they were on vacation because they were replying to emails within an hour. And really just it seemed like business as usual. They just had a cooler Instagram story. And I think that that's the case for a ton of people working in music is we find it very hard to shut off because it is ingrained into our brains from a very young age in this business that if you take time off or if you lose sight of the ball, the industry is going to pass you by and you'll never be able to get a job again because you'll be a has-been that everybody forgets. And that goes for artists and professionals alike. And honestly, I think that the think that people are starting to wake up to the fact that that's not really true. I mean, it's it's not about the speed that you get to the destination. It's about the direction you take to get there, I like to think. So as long as you're putting in the work when you are able to put in the work and giving it your best and trying your best, that's enough. But convincing yourself and convincing the industry as a whole that that is true, that's something that is going to take a lot more work. And, you know, the, the reasons for it are numerous <clears throat> from the demands of the job to the expenses of mental health care to, you know, dozens of other things. But it is something that is increasingly important. And, you know, I'm working on a project right now that kind of addresses addiction and recovery in music. And as much as, you know, drugs are a problem and, you know, uh, celebrating people who live lives of excess, it's all still kind of rooted in this idea of go, 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 never give yourself a break, never take time off. The drugs are just something that like uh, alleviates the pressure for a few moments for people, but it's all kind of tied back to our mental health. And I think that if we can get a grip on that and take it seriously as an industry, we might be able to save some lives or at the very least save a few professionals. Cause you and I, I'm sure both know a lot of people who, when we met them 10 years ago, were just as passionate about music as you or I are, and they have since been chewed up and left the industry altogether, and they do something else, and they can't even imagine having a life in music because it all was too much for them or it was too hard or it just broke them. It broke them, and it happens so often to people who are so much smarter than myself, at least speaking, I can say that. They're so much smarter than me, but they can't like cut it in the industry due to some external factors of demand and it wears on their mental health. And then we lose them. And I can't help wondering how much talent we've lost over the years simply because we haven't, you know, made taking care of yourself a priority like we should. I'm certainly guilty. I put endless pressure on myself, especially as a small business owner. Um, the hustle is always going to be apparent. You're always going to need to be looking ahead three, four, five, six months, making sure that the pipeline is long enough. And that's just one piece of the puzzle. I mean, 
you know, we could talk about everything else, everything else that goes into what I do on a completely separate episode. But yeah, I'm definitely guilty of putting that pressure on myself. And uh, it does seem never ending. And um, I'm always kind of looking for that light at the end of the tunnel, but it's very real. And I, I really, my hope is that in this decade, more and more companies and organizations will place a focus on mental health. And I think actually a great example of that is uh, Marmoset, which is based here in Portland, which was uh, founded, co-founded by Ryan Wines. He, he did a really amazing TED Talk on his company and just discussing the idea of uh, really promoting mental health awareness within his company. And um, he says that he needs his creatives to be really uh, functioning at a high level in order to do their jobs. And in order to have them functioning at a high level, he needs them to have uh, a clear mind and to kind of really uh, spend the time that they need on themselves. Yeah, I mean, and it's like I said, I do think that it's getting better, but, you know, it, it happens all the time. And it's it's easy to fall into, you know, not taking care of yourself because a, a good thing about the music industry is that so many people look out for one another. So a good example of this would be uh, in the fall. The only vacation me and my partner took all year was to go to this festival in, um, in Chattanooga together. It was like we're going to both take you know, time off from our schedules, like request time off holiday pay and be unplugged for like five days and go on this vacation. And literally uh, 36 hours into the trip, she works for Live Nation and another venue had a problem and they didn't know who to call. They didn't realize she was on vacation and they called her and it turned out that the problem was much bigger than they thought it was. And she spent literally every free moment that we weren't at the festival working that entire trip. And she never told the person on the other end of the conversation that she was on vacation because you know her whole explanation was well if i don't do it nobody will and this person is going to suffer so i will suffer so that this person suffers less and i feel like that's kind of a representative of how at least at its best the industry tends to work is everybody's like well i have to do 80 hours this week because jack and jill did 80 hours this week and if i don't do it then they'll be working 100 hours this week and instead of being like why don't we just accept 40 and then stop it's absolutely true. I mean, I feel like it's taken uh, this industry has taken years off my life at this point. Um, but ultimately, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I do love the industry. I, if you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Um, but it can be toxic and uh, yeah, it's really a goal to continue reminding myself that uh, in order to function at a high level, you have to spend time on yourself. I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks again for kind of letting me dive into a couple of those topics. Uh, you can find that article on the official Holix blog. I'll let you plug that in just a minute. Um, is there anything in particular right now that you are super excited about writing-wise, um, marketing-wise? Just This is your moment to plug anything and everything. Um. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, something that I'm very excited about uh, for for myself or for like the industry as in general. Um, yourself. Let's just let's talk about you, James. Oh, right. Well, that's always the harder one to talk about. Um, 
Well, I like I said before, I am working with this band. You mean everyone we know. We have some cool stuff coming up. Um, I am personally working on a podcast unrelated to Inside Music and anything else that I've been on that I haven't haven't quite announced yet. But when I was in L.A. last week, I started recording it. It's going to be out this spring uh, by like April, May, probably. It's limited. It's only eight episodes and it's uh, it's seasonal. So we'll do eight episodes a season. And then if people like it, we may do eight more, but probably not until 2021. Um, I'm really trying to do limited stuff in 2020, like not less stuff, but I want, I, you know, my podcast inside music, I just released episode 189 today. And while I'm like, holy crap, 189 episodes, I'm also like, I don't, I don't think it can ever end because it doesn't have a purpose that makes it need to end and i'm kind of sick of this idea that everything has to go on forever i don't like sequels that much i want things to be finite because i feel like i make something i think i feel like as an artist you make better things when you are under constraints so somebody says you can record as many songs as you want release as many songs as you want which is technically true you get a whole lot of fluff but if you only have two weeks in the studio and you need to crank out an album you're going to put the best 10 songs you can get together into those two weeks and you're not going to fill it with a bunch of you're going to do the best you possibly can so i've given myself these restrictions to do this podcast and without giving it too much away i kind of referenced it earlier it is uh it's going to be a limited series run it's about addiction and recovery in the music industry it's going to feature one-on-one interviews with people who are struggling with addiction or have overcome addiction and how they did it they're all recorded in person and it'll be edited together like a show like serial or any of those other um, professional news related podcast so that's coming from me later this year and until then you can find me on twitter it's james d shotwell d is in dog you can find me on instagram same handle and i uh yeah listen to you inside music and look up my youtube channel music biz that's music b-i-z which i run through holics every subscriber helps me keep my job so go ahead and subscribe to that excellent Thank you for all of that. Thank you for your insight. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on the podcast before you hopped on. Um, definitely missing the uh, under the gun days back in the 2000s um, and, and, you know, early to mid part of this decade. Great times, man. Yeah, I miss those days, too, all the time. We still own under the gun. You can see it out there. Some days I it's funny when we started doing YouTube stuff at Holics, I the YouTube under the gun has a YouTube channel, but literally no one knows what the login is for it. And it has thousands of subscribers and millions of views and none of us can access it or monetize it because none of us have that information anymore. Um, and Google is not a company that's easy to work with for customer service purposes. Um, so well, maybe it should just be one of those doors that remains closed. <laughs> yeah maybe it should i mean that's probably what i should have taken away from it but i just <laughs> uh, i do thank you for letting me be on the show and for letting me talk about all this random stuff i'm excited that you have a podcast i love doing podcasts i love listening to podcasts and i feel like music education should be largely free for people so hopefully you help someone have a better career Yes, um, I certainly hope that. And thanks again to you, James. You can find James Shotwell at all of the platforms that he mentioned. Um, Thanks again. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Absolutely, my friend. James Shotwell, everybody. Always a good time. Thanks again to James for hopping on with us.
We've got a super interesting episode next week. We are going to be talking about being a parent and raising kids in the music industry. As some of you know, I am actually a brand new parent as of Christmas Day 2019. Super exciting and very exhausting, but mostly exciting. Our featured music on today's episode is More Than Physical by The Dooms. Be sure to check them out. They are absolutely incredible. One of my favorite bands coming out of Los Angeles right now. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and also on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at JFUPod. That's at JFUPod. I am your host, Nate Sirota. This has been Just Following Up, and we will see you next week. 